Hi, this is Jam DeMatteis, and you are listening to the All Stars Superfan Podcast. We talk, we talk, we talk Superman, and we know what's happening. We talk, we talk, we talk Superman, and we cover everything. Hello and welcome once again to the All-Star Superfan Podcast, the podcast that delves into any and all things Superman throughout the full 80-year legacy of the Man of Steel. I'm one of your hosts, Rob O'Connor, and I'm joined once again by the Waterford Wonder, the lawman with the lowdown, Mr. Alan Burke. How are you doing tonight, sir? I'm really good. Uh, I'm re- sorry, I'm still laughing at that. I'm really good, Rob. Um, again, I'm so excited to have such uh, an iconic guest on the podcast. Where are we getting all these guests from? It's crazy. I, I, how are we convincing these people to come on our podcast? I don't know. But um, yeah, uh, we're, we're, we're super excited to have our guest on tonight. Uh, once again, we'd like to remind you that you can like us on Facebook and Instagram at All Star Super Fan. Follow us on Twitter at All Star Super Pod. Send us a strongly worded letter to the editor at All Star Super Pod at gmail.com and we will read your correspondence on the air. Please get in touch. Let us know your thoughts and feelings on all of the exciting topics we discuss on tonight's episode with our very special guest, Alan. Why don't you take it away and introduce who we have tonight? Yeah, like I said, Rob, we're very excited to introduce our special guest tonight, a man who has worked on the majority of the DCAU productions in a variety of roles, including character designer, storyboard artist and director. Uh, He's considered the DCAU's longest serving director, having directed multiple episodes of Batman the Animated Series, Superman the Animated Series, The New Batman Adventures, Batman Beyond, Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. His Superman related credits include directing such classic episodes of Superman the Animated series as The Last Son of Krypton Part 1 and 3, The Main Man Part 1 and 2, Apocalypse Now, Legacy. He is a Superman superfan in every sense of the word. Please welcome the legendary Mr. Dan Reba. Welcome, Dan. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm so happy to be here. And we're delighted to have you here, to be honest. It's uh, huge fans since, you know, before we even knew who you were, we were fans back as kids of, of all the work you had done um, on, on, on things like Batman, the animated series and, and, and Superman and all those shows. Um, what we generally like to do, just starting off with, with, with our guests, is to ask you, could you tell us what your earliest memories of Superman are? Uh, that would have to be George Reeves. I, I, I have distinct memories of watching it on my own TV, but mostly at a friend's house with an old black and white set that was like a cabinet and this round t- picture tube. And I was I, I was born in the 60s. I mean, so I, I wasn't even alive while George Reeves was alive. But yeah, the show was being rerun in the early 60s. And and uh, and, and so it was that's all I watched when I was very little. And, and so, I, yeah, I, I love it. It's funny, Dan, that you mentioned that because I remember on the season one DVD of the George Reeves show, uh, watching it for the first time, and they brought in loads of kind of, uh, you know, people to talk about the show and their memories of it. And I specifically remember you on those DVDs talking about your memories of it. And I think that there was a special feature on it about yes. Phyllis Coates specifically yes. as Lois Lane. And you were mentioning how much you liked her. And I, you know, you, you could really tell in those features how much 
because a lot of those special features sometimes they they bring on the stars of the show or whatever and they kind of butter it up and it doesn't always seem very genuine but you could see the the true fandom in your eyes i thought well, it was so what's great. funny about that too is that i i made an admission i believe on there because as as a young child i remember the the, the first season episodes being very dark and very noir and for hmm. a three and four and five year old you know they were a little intense and and i noticed that phyllis yeah, coach yeah. was always very mean to, to, to clark so those are the things i picked up a child who doesn't really understand the structure of the story or whatever so I watched it and I was like, oh, she's so mean. She's so mean to Clark. Oh, my gosh. And uh, and I remember getting a Clark card set later on. And, and, and it's like, oh, you know, and it was the 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 the, the one with the with the underground, the under underground dwellers, the, the 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 little people coming out of the ground, you know, the uh, the unknown. The war men, yes. yeah. And and um, and and so I, I remember seeing the pictures of Lois in there going, oh, they got the ugly Lois. And in my mind, <laughs> because she was, and and then when I saw them again, you know, older, you know, and, uh, I was I was older, and I went, oh my gosh, beautiful, <laughs> and I loved the tone, and I loved the noir, and I loved all that aspect of those early episodes. So you know, she, I, I just, I just, I fell in love with her. Realized that little that little kid didn't know what he's talking about, uh, you know, and uh, she she was beautiful. And, and and still my one of my favorite we're, we're big uh, Phyllis Coast fans yeah and one of my favorite Lois is really because she was she was so tough yeah. and and then the fact that that she didn't pine after and moon after oh I'm gonna marry Superman <laughs> there was none of that it was just like a working relationship with Clark that was actually was not mean at all it was just it was just professional and 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 competitive yeah. as reporters would you could see that there was an admiration between them and 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 you know but but there was this, this, I got to get that story. And that was kind of believable. And that was the thing about those early episodes. They're so real that it, it's, it's actually the realest Superman. I think for all the talk about, you know, man of steel and all of this stuff, it's like the first season of that show is, is, is reality. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's just the limitations of the medium at the time that, that didn't quite, you know, match up to, to current, uh, uh, effects and things like that but george reeves was a real person clark was was real yeah, and we've we've covered a, a good bit of the George Reeves um, show on All Star Superfan over the last couple of months. Uh, episodes like Panic in the Sky, we did a deep dive into that, and you know from the from the um, the uh, Menace from the Stars storyline oh. from the the comic book in in, in the fifties, and yeah, it's it's like I, we say it time and again, like you, you know. It, it wasn't made for people like us, people in their the 30, 70 years later. But I, I can only imagine what it was like watching it back in the 50s and 60s as a child yeah. when you had no reference point for this no, stuff. Exactly. exactly. And it was a worldwide phenomenon. It was huge in Japan. Apparently the yeah. emperor was his favorite show. Japan? Yes. Well, I never knew that. And that's why that's why things like like Gekko Kamen and, and the Starman uh, show, uh, the movies, those were sort of based on the popularity of the George Reeves Superman in Japan. Is, is George Reeves' version of Superman your your all-time favorite live-action version? Or? Uh, I, I would have to say uh, the live-action, of, of live-action Superman. I don't think it's he's been surpassed. Um, I, yeah. I really, in terms of okay. a person embodying the character um, and and feeling real and feeling like like you're completely invested in, in the role, Yeah, uh, I don't think anyone has really 
done that quite as well. I adore Chris Reeves. I think he's fantastic. I love those films, and the, and they 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 were a shot in the arm to the character um, because in in the most cynical time in cinema and and in the country, you know, after Watergate and mm. and all these things going on, yeah. the, the the cynicism and the ideals of Superman just you know how could that they they clash they don't seem to make sense yeah and 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 even though there are lots of camp elements in the film the character himself is taken seriously and and yeah. that is quite an achievement that they're able to sort of make that aspect of him cool again was was wonderful but they didn't have to worry about that in the 50s you know what is it that Margot Kidder says on the terrace when he says truth, justice, the American way? You're going to have to fight every elected politician in the country. <laughs> I don't believe this. <laughs> I never lie. <laughs> and so tell me, Dan, how did you get into animation in, in the first place? How did, how did you find your path into, into an animation? Um, I was always drawing all my life. My brother was a comic book collector. And so I was always exposed to to comic books and 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 always watching cartoons and so and the yeah. two were intertwined in my mind i was always drawing hanna-barbera characters like flintstones popcat huckleberry hound and things like that and uh yeah. and and as well as as the these are the, the the nascent early years of the marvel revolution so you know the fantastic four and spider-man were kind of making big waves with the with the older collectors and and so I still liked the DC stuff because I was younger and, you know, I, I, I like both, but I really, the, I kind of glommed on to the stuff, the, the discards of the older, you know, of the older brother. And yeah. uh, so those, those 25 cent, you know, reprints of these older comics, you know, were, 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 were prized possession for me. Um, that those, those early world's finest and those big sprang stories where yeah. Batman and Superman uh, would, would meet or were, were, really love those. special to me yeah and uh and so uh i i always knew that that's what i was going to be doing and when my parents were sort of silently realized that i i really wasn't going to be i'm not doctor lawyer material um <laughs> and and that you know they they were kind of you know they just didn't want me to starve and and so they were just yeah. kind of like trying to dissuade me from from an art world um, my high school, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the shadow comics, the shadow character. Oh, oh yes. yeah. Very yeah, much. So. Very much. Well, so, yeah. I've got some shadow action figures here beside me. I'll show you later. <laughs> oh, I'm kidding. Uh, well, well, but in Arlington, Virginia, uh, the, I went to Washington Lee and, and my art teacher was the same art teacher who taught Mike Kaluta a few years before. And, and wow. he had made a name for himself, um, and, and a living, uh, doing comics and and uh and so at at this parent teacher meeting my teacher brought it up to my parents like oh yeah i have this former student who's making a living making comics and and i was what you know michael luda <laughs> <laughs> and and so that actually sort of sealed the deal with me all right all right you can do this you can do this and then my dad dropped this bombshell oh um i have a cousin that is an animator in spain and he teaches Wow, and I, I felt like, like you know, like it was Star Wars, and they were trying to keep me from 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 you know from going off with with Obi Wan, you know. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, oh, one more How season. How do I not know this? How did you not tell me this? 
So we went up to visit him. He told me how great the school was. And then when he told me that Harvey Kurtzman and Will Eisner and Art Spiegelman were teaching at this School of Visual Arts, I... Will Eisner? Will Eisner. The Spirit? The Spirit. Will, Will Eisner. And which was... I, wow. I, that, I had discovered that comic and that, that, that blew my mind. I was the biggest Spirit fan in the world. So wow. it, it was like, well, there's no way I'm not going to the school. I, I, I must do this. And, uh, and so my best friend and I, uh, who my lifelong friend that we used to play Superman and Batman when we were little, um, you know, they, we, we got an apartment in New York city and went to school and that's, uh, and then, and then I came out and, you know, got, got jobs in animation. And, and Dan, I've, um, I, I've done a few rudimentary modules in animation I, I i work in tv um in kind of unscripted sort of uh documentaries and things but i i have done bits and pieces in in animation and um can you just can can you talk us through the process a little bit of of how a show is actually what what that pipeline is how it goes from storyboard into into the job of a director and then finally into the the, the voiceover boots and then into our tv screens? well the, the pipeline is very interesting how you describe it but it's a little bit in, in an opposite order um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. because uh, the way that, that, that we do it um, uh, is, is that the scripts are written and, and they're, 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 they're parceled out to all the artists and the, the, the designers and, and to the, to the board artists and the director. And uh, we go over them and, and we generally, we get started on, on stuff doing designs and, and getting preliminary work on on the stuff, but the recording is essential for for our process. Um, so when possible, we don't always we can't always schedule it, but if possible, we we get the recording first before we actually start drawing, and 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 that okay. way you can storyboard the acting with the correct inflection of the correct actor, ah, and it makes a, a a world of difference. And the other thing that Andrea Romano, who was our brilliant voice director, did yeah. that was actually not common practice um, back then um, because it was expensive to bring everybody in at the same time and schedule, you know, that stuff, you know, and, and, and feature tends not to do that because these are big stars that they get and they'd rather just like work them through the mill having every possible inflection and version of a word that that sentence that they can get and then they can use whatever version of it when they're building their story we don't have that luxury in animation nor would we want to because you yeah. don't get the right performance out of actors when they're working in a bubble no and and um so you lose that little bit of control but what you gain is the world you gain reality because actors interacting with other actors acting is listening it, it's it's reacting yeah. to other actors, and 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 anything else is sort of an illusion of of what you know. It's 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 a manipulation. But when you get people in the room and they're actually bouncing off of each other, you get a much fresher, fresher and, and real performance. It's it's re it's really interesting that you say that because I've heard Kevin Conroy and he speaks so highly of the the sessions he did with on the on the different shows you know the batman and the animated series and justice league and so on because he was in the room with the actors mm. 
But then when, when people ask him about the video games that he does, he just says, I hate doing them because I'm stuck in a room on my own for hours with nobody else in exactly. the room with me. And I'm just reading off all these lines. It's, and it's, it's so it's, boring. It, yeah. And it, it really, it's not conducive to, to, to the role. You don't really get invested in it. And, and it's, it's, you know, but it's, this is how the, the process like was originally like the way Disney had done it, you know? And, and that's one thing when he's doing it, but and, and when the features are doing it, but even then, it's like it's it's so cold. Um, now, mind you, this is I'm I'm leaping ahead to like the Tiffany. You know, this is this is Warner Brothers at the peak, and that's how it's done there. Um, yeah. I, my career, I I was working on about you know eight nine years before Warner Brothers. I was I was at various other places. And and we didn't really have control over the acting or you know control input, and 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 we didn't yeah. always hear the voice tracks before we were just kind of just going by the scripts. Uh, at Deke, the, the recordings were done in Canada. Uh, you had absolutely no interaction with the actors or any of that stuff. And and the worst part was that if you made any alterations or changes, you couldn't go back because they didn't have money to do what they call and you would know what you ADR. And yeah. and the, the the pickup recordings afterward, which is like, that's really essential. That and the music, you know, we're <laughs> it's like we're, we're like Shirley Walker and Shirley. There, not enough is said and not enough can be said about just how powerful uh, her music is in those old shows. It was so so good, unbelievable. And tell me, Dan, how is um, say directing animation different from? what most people would have in their minds when it comes to live action directing because obviously you're not kind of on a set directing actors in person and you know it it must be a very different um, well it it, it is a very different experience um they're both very collaborative really obviously Mm. because you're you're really interacting with with the with others to, to get their job done and to kind of help you know steer it to direct it you know um But in the yeah. case of animation, uh, when we had Andrea Romano and um, of the voice casting, and and she's there yeah. directing, really, um, that particular aspect is sort of well that you're just there to support her in in yeah. in that um, you're you're there to give any visual cues that they might be. Uh, are the characters close together? There's a helicopter here. Should they be yelling? Um, what What is the intensity of of the scene? Yeah. And and my honestly, I I really kind of like you. You just when you have that kind of talent involved, you step back and let them do their job because they'd just be an idiot to to get in the way. Um, my concern yeah. was only about things like uh, laughs and screams and things like that and the lengths because you always want to have the option of lengthening things shortening them to have that kind of control that's the place where you get to be like do it again can you do it shorter can you do can i have three of these can i have them longer can i have shorter and and that's that's the place where i generally would have more of my input obviously there'd be more than one take um she was always very generous with like you know we're all uh, which one would we pick and then and then you know bruce would and, and you know everybody would sort of the writers would kind of have have input as to which was be which would be the best pick and we you know you get involved with that yeah but it was always collaborative it wasn't one of those things where i tell you this is the one for sure you know sometimes i one or two times i would kind of like 
(laughs) (laughs) And how much of a role would you have in in sort of the visual staging of an episode as a director? Well, it it, it depends. Frankly, I I tend to like to... um, I have talented storyboard artists and I don't want to get in their way. So you you have some input on a background element, you know, cause you're like, Oh, we need this to happen. We need to clarify this, this, and this. So, so the action can happen here when, when a background is being designed, because that has to be handed off to the board artist. Um, and, uh, but, but again, it's, it's like you're dealing with very strong producers that know what they want from the show. So yeah, I, I, you would go back in and you'd redo things uh, on the boards and have input that would alter things that didn't quite work out the way that you, felt would would be the best for the story but um but i didn't really like holding anybody's hand especially when we have so many talented people um so that wasn't you know the visual aspects were were all kind of again storyboard artists doing a great job and you're just kind of helping everybody do their job properly that's really how it works and I know, I know, this is primarily a Superman um, um, podcast, but we'd be remiss to, to obviously not talk about Batman: The Animated Series, which is one of the greatest uh, um, animated productions in the history of animation. To be honest, like, and that's not even that's not even blowing smoke up your ass or anything. I mean, that that's the truth. I mentioned I did a, a an animation module in my masters, and we went. Through, I meant to say this earlier on, Dan. Apologies. We went through the history of animation, and we went through. Felix the Cat and, you know, the Fleischer cartoons and Disney and the Disney Renaissance and the principles of animation. And then finally we come to this slide and it's just Batman on top of the building with the lightning striking. <laughs> and I was like, yes! And my lecturer was talking for five minutes about Batman the Animated Series and I was like, this is the best, this is the best and, day in college. And, ever. you know, I, I, I'm still, wait, let me pitch myself. I, I, I was there. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And, yeah, it must and, be and incredible. It, is. It, it absolutely is. Um, there, there was. I was on another show at the time at a, at another studio uh, when Bruce and Eric were developing that, and I'd worked with Bruce a little bit tangentially, like on on, on at Deke a little bit, but not not very closely. But I'd seen what a talent he was. I actually would watch him draw because he was he's so brilliant. Yeah, and uh, and so when I'd heard that there were they were doing a Batman. I was like, Oh, that's, that's nice. And then somebody had, you know, that promo had leaked and was all around yeah. town and, and yeah. I'd seen it. And now it was like, oh my God, I'm in the middle of trying to get this other show off the ground. And if we get this thing going, I, I'm going to be stuck and I won't be able to work on Batman. <laughs> and, um, and it was a really nice project. It was really fun. And it was really creative for me. I, I, I'd, I'd written lines, I'd written stuff for it. I'd, I'd designed stuff for it. It was really, it, it was a, it was a, a very lighter toned version of the little Nemo movie that TMS had done. So I was working at TMS at the time and, uh, they spent like a year trying to get this thing off the ground and, and, and it was really fun. But, but I'm telling you, when I saw that trailer, all I wanted to do was, I had to work on back and and then when my show ended you know when, it, when they pulled the plug on it I was like oh my gosh I hope I can work on this thing and I got a call from Kevin Altieri who had already gotten the job I said hey you how do you want to work on Batman I'm like yes yes <laughs> 
Because was the initial feeling like when you hear that they're making a Batman um, cartoon or a Batman animated series, is the initial feeling like that it's going to be like Super Friends or it's going to be something like the the cartoon from the from the from the sixties and that, or like nobody knew what was coming with Batman the animated series, really? Did well, um, I, I, here's here's the thing um, that the DNA for for the version that that it became was kind of always there. And I, there was a part of the story mm. that I wasn't aware of was that was that Gene McCurdy and Ellen Burnett had tried to pitch us at Hanna-Barbera after Super Friends. They wanted to do a, a, a grittier, darker, real Batman. And Gene had fallen in love okay. with the Fleischer cartoons. But I, I had no idea of this when, when we were working on our show. Um, and, and then she kind of got Ellen involved um, after we had already we had already started and we were having some script issues, but because the tone of the tone of, of a lot of the scripts tended to be a little bit lighter. Um, and, and, yeah. and we were kind of, it, it was, it, it was a scary time because we knew, we knew what we wanted the show to be, but it didn't seem like everybody else kind of understood. And, and Gene got it, but it was hard to find the right people with that tone. And, 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 um, and when she got Alan involved, it's, it's, it's really interesting that you say that because I think if you watched that last season of Super Friends, I think Challenge of the Super or it's uh, the Superpowers team or something it's called. There's a really really dark episode called The Fear where yes. they do yes. Batman's origin and I was looking at the credits and there's yes. loads of people involved in the yes. animated series yes. in that. And and that was Alan wrote that. And and yeah. I remember watching that when I was like I was in college I think. I, it was like I remember watching it like or, or maybe it was in high school. It was. I remember watching it over the summer one time. So it might have been either way. And and I, I it was a rerun. And I and I just said, wait, they, they just did the origin of that. And and yeah. while they didn't show a gun, they clearly made it clear that his parents died at the hands of a criminal. Yeah. And and they were very clever about it, having a lightning, you know, a thunder clap happen just as as the the thug approaches them. His hand is in his pocket. You never see the gun, but you, the, come on, the traditional guy with the hand in his coat, it's yeah. like, you know, there's a gun in there. And it was like, my gosh, they, they actually did it. And um, with Adam West voicing the character. As yes. Well. Yes. That, that was awesome. But, you know, I, but it really took, you know, a few years for the whole, the proper look. I mean, at that time, it was like they were doing the best they yeah. could with the with the limitations of the medium, the, the, the work was being sent overseas, but there was also very compartmentalized and the designs were sort of bland and the colors were all too bright and everything kind of, it just, it, there's something about that era where uh, quality just, it was hard to get the quality on the screen. There was this big disconnect from the sixties where you had space ghosts and, 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 and Johnny quest and, and, you know, all of these beautiful backgrounds and lush, you know, limited, but, lush limited animation you know it's accurate well-drawn things that 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 might slide on screen but but the but the little motion that was there sold it and was wonderful we were so lucky that that we got to have it all we got to have it all the best of the overseas animation um and and people pushing themselves storyboarding and scripting and, and the character designs and the acting everything the music everything just came together and do you think that, say, the success of books like The Dark Knight Returns and Batman Year One and then 
the theatrical release of obviously the 1989 Tim Burton film did that kind of open the door further then for for Batman well, the absolutely. to kind of absolutely with, without yeah. a question it was it was um without question that that was that was the case we wouldn't have a series without the Tim Burton film that that's yeah. that's just the way it is and 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 even with that film people still i mean they still thought of the Adam West series and i love that show as a child i thought it was marvelous but there was a point yeah. in, you know, I was preteen, whatever, when I went, I was tired of people laughing at. I want, you know, I want, I yeah, want a real yeah, guy. Yeah. I want the real show. Now, ironically, going back and then in high school, looking at it again, going, you know, technically this is the most faithful adaptation possible. It's actually the costumes are right. The car is marvelous. Yeah. Everything, it may be camp, but it is actually from the comics as close as could be. And and it is that Dick Sprang Batman that 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 as a six yeah. year old was real, um, but 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 to anyone older they they laughed at it and 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 I'm like well okay it's time to now do the real real thing. <laughs> you worked on some of the most amazing episodes. I mean I think you were the character designer on like Heart of Ice. You directed one of my personal favorite episodes uh, episodes which was um, Baby Doll, which is this really dark twisted. Uh, story that you know it's it's and that ending is so traumatic and you're just kind of sat there at the end of the episode looking at the screen going what did I just watch I'm only eight years of age Dan what are you doing to me <laughs> I know. well that was Paul that was Paul Dini and and he did that to you and we just helped him <laughs> you know? um yeah that that was that was a joy and and I I I yeah I was uh, so on board with that episode and and um I, it was everything from like the the love of old you know 60s sitcom stuff and 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 the Shirley yeah. Temple uh thing it was it was brilliant it was so so brilliant and then of course ending with that hall of mirrors the lady from shanghai yeah and 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 yet to do it in a way that 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 had more meaning and that was the thing about yeah. those you know it wasn't just a visual cue from a noir film you you you're actually taking that trope of of the hall of mirrors and you're you're giving it more resonance than it ever had by by having her see herself normal um it, it's yeah. so poignant it's so poignant it's it's incredible and that was storyboarded by ronnie del carmen who boarded the opening to up um and and co-directed um inside out he's he's a genius he's a genius and and everything he does is gold and I was blessed to have him on my crew and um, two episodes that were ingrained, like burnt into my mind because I taped them off the television in 1993 and four. Uh, See No Evil and Time Out of Joint, both Batman episodes, both directed by you. See No Evil was the Invisible Mm -hmm. Man episode and Time Out of Joint was the the Clock King episode where he could actually pause time. And the, I've seen both of them so yes. many times. They're they're not episodes that people really talk about very often, but they're both fascinating. And there's so many kind of visual moments in both of them where you know I can I can picture Batman rubbing the the paint off his gloves, and I can picture them, you know, running the bomb yeah. out of the city, and and all the people that are looking blue. Can, can you just talk to me a little bit about, um, you know, the the challenges you. You, you must have faced, you know, making an episode about an invisible man in a fast paced animated show where you want to see movement and colors and everything. And then a, a show where you have to freeze time 
Like it must have been, they must have been two fascinating episodes to work yes. on, were they? And and I I was again, I I, I just fortune smiled upon me. I was blessed um, because the see no evil uh, had originally there was a uh, a script scuffle where the script that just wasn't quite working and it had been sent to Japan and and that they just didn't deliver anything yet and 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 there's something that just it it, it just the, the original script was sort of discarded and so something new you know they, they came up with something new and and they they decided this this invisible man idea would would work and marty pasco came up with it and it was great and i knew him at ruby spears a little bit and um and and i'd known his comic book work as well marty, marty pasco is like guys that i i'd always i always read his comics um and uh and and it was such a dark show it was so. Yeah. Yes, I, it was. Oh, and the other thing that was really cool though was was coming up with like the 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 invisibility effect that you know Bruce and I kind of worked it out based on on uh, the Wallywood uh, uh, treatment of of No Man in the Tower comic. You're familiar with that. Are, are you familiar with Tower comic? No. Thunder Agents. That's that's ringing a bit of a bell now. Thunder Agents. All right. Here here's the deal. Um, I, they're in print. They were there was always like. It, uh, don't, uh, issues of rights, and so they always had, you know, like DC published them at one point, and at, at like Ruby Prince and Marvel at one point tried to publish. Everybody tried to like get them off the ground, but the rights issues always kind of like were sticky. So they they still are not quite out there, but they're really cool, like superhero comics, but they're like like tied in with like a like a like a secret agent theme to it as well. They're on the Comic Book Plus website. I don't know if you're familiar with that pub- that, that 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 publishes that okay. public domain uh, stuff. And, and and I I urge you to look up Tower Comics. They're Thunder Agents. Uh, yeah, they're they're marvelous. And that treatment of how the invisibility would work, how he goes into the, the thing, was sort of loosely based on how Hollywood did it in the in the comics. It's the shadow kind of like creeping in, and the and the highlight kind of overpowering the thing. This like having just a highlight and having eventually go was really it was really neat um and uh and the theme of the show was was incredibly dark i had no idea that the network would allow it because you're dealing with uh, with yeah. a, a, a relationship a strange relationship child endangerment uh a, a father that's like you know you don't know exactly the issues there if the, the abusive yeah, issue yeah. up there the daughter that he wants to you know to, and it's like wow really really creepy and tricky stuff it's 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 a creepy show it's, it's dark. very it dark. dark it's genuinely dark um, yeah. and, and the other thing that i think is kind of funny um because doing all the invisible man stuff is really fun i mean we actually made the drive-in like we knocked off some of the letters but it's clear that the theater was showing the invisible man um uh but uh but but one of the things that that's interesting is the little girl was played by elizabeth moss who went up oh cool oh wow you're not aware I, I think I heard that somewhere years ago. No, Someone I, looked I, I it didn't up. know that. Well, yeah, there is an Invisible Man movie that she made a few years ago. That's right. And yeah, the, she did. the tone yeah. is is right out of our show. So here, you know, that was the weird thing is that, wait, I wait. She was a little girl in this movie. You know, she grows up and she's still being harassed by Invisible Man. Um, it's, 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 that's really cool. That's really cool. 
And then the and the other one, the other one was like again the visuals of the vis- the, the 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 super speed were were, were that was a really and I kind of wanted yeah. to make a, a Doppler shift to make sure that the backgrounds were kind of like I wanted to get that sense of you know the blue low slow light you know that that it was like hmm. shifting you know blue um, to get a sense of of some kind of science to it um, and that was an early episode yeah. where we had our computer division kind of help us with some of the blur smear effects and all that stuff in in a in a primitive uh it, cg thing that that they kind of helped us out with that i was talking about images burnt into my brain the the, the guy throws the jelly bean into the air and then clock king yes. freezes time and then he eats yes. the jelly yes. bean like i can i can see that i, I storyboarded the the fan blade uh, if i storyboarded the sequence yes. when he sneaks into the the one place to take the 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 whatever documents he's taking. I've forgotten the details, but I do remember boarding the woman falling down the stairs and, and her, you know, papers are all, you know, and, and all of that stuff. I boarded all that section. And, and, and the fan, the fan blade is such an interesting visual cue because it's telling you, like, even as a young kid, I understood, okay, time isn't completely frozen. It's just moving much, no, much slower. It just slowed. It slowed. Yes. And that was, that was the very telling. And, and did you, did you notice that the, the auction, uh, the 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 Kerry Thomas impersonation for the for the the auctioneer because uh, oh, okay. that was <laughs> yeah. Going, yeah and going. um and the other thing that was important to that for that because and and it tries to Superman so I'm glad you brought it up so I'll just one last thing that uh, um the smear effect that we did when he comes in and out of of time he we we do a snap smear thing and and that was kind of loosely based on on the timing of of a Chuck Jones cartoon called the Dover Boys where they would smear characters and, and instead of like doing in-betweens, they would like do this one blur that would just like a frame where you're drawing this to this and it's all one big fat thing. And we, we did that and figured out the timing and I did it on a video camera. We had this video animation recorder and I kind of figured the whole thing out. So that was my timing. I figured all that out. So we did that for the clock King. And then when it came time to do Superman, I was like, okay, he's faster than the speeding bullet. We need we'll this blur. That. We need this smear. And I, tested yeah. it out we figured it out superman figured out the timing that's that smear was was my contribution to superman <laughs> and it was awesome. directly related to that one episode of, of that uh and of course we had to stop when we were doing justice League. bruce wrote this image okay sorry but superman can't smear it. We have the flash <laughs> we have the flash and even though he flash even though superman is faster than the speeding bullet and everybody knows it we've got to focus on the Flash's super speed and his effects. So we, we're not going to showcase super super speed nearly as much. So we're 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 put a moratorium on the on the smear now. And just to bring it back to Superman a little bit, uh, Dan. Like we all know that it, it was an influence, but to, to what degree were the Fleischer um, animations an influence on Batman the animated series? Ah, uh, it was everything. It was everything because. Um, the the background styling in particular was 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 the thing that we yeah. were kind of going for with that tone that dark tone that sort of the the bulleteers and 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 all those big sort of you know big ray beams going through the you know it, it's just there's something about the, yeah. the, the 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 magic of those things the darkness and 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 the you know that 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 uh, had not been seen in animation in a very long time. And, and, um, yeah. and, and Jean was right when she said, you know, we want this for Batman and, and 
It's interesting. You say the bulleteers there. There's a moment in the bulleteers where Superman is chasing the train and he's kind of just, his eyes widen for a second. Then he just, and watching it as a kid, I always thought to myself, he looks exactly like the uh, Bruce Wayne from the animated series in that one shot. I don't know. It's probably a complete coincidence, but he looks exactly uh, like It kind of is. It kind of is a coincidence, but it isn't, not completely, because we we were absorbing that. I mean, personally, for, for me, it was sort of like yeah. as a child, I didn't grow up with the cartoons because they had been out of circulation yeah. for, for decades. They were big from the 50s. And then and then the George Reeves series sort of took over for everybody's mind of what Superman was. But what happened to me was I went to a comic book convention when I was about 14 and somebody was running a 16 millimeter reel of the of, of first one. And uh, my head exploded. I, I had never seen anything as beautiful. Yeah. And it and it was the kind of thing where Superman at that point had already kind of become kind of horny. And and, and the, the comic books were fun, yeah. but they kept trying to rework aspects of them. And, and it was always that, that I like Kurt Swan. He's fine. But he wasn't always one of those artists that I, I actually I actually kind of like the Wayne Boring stuff from the 50s more because there's something charming oh, yeah, and goofy yeah. about it. And I can see it, it, it's somehow yeah. more endearing to me. <laughs> And of course, the the, the Siegel and Schuster stuff from the early days. I, I had that book. The I have it still. The the Bat, the Superman from the '30s to the '70s uh, store book. Um, and I used to go through all those old reprints of the old stories, and and I, and I love that book. So when I saw the Fleischer cartoons, it, it my head, I, the idea that my gosh, this is literally a comic book style translated in in the yeah. the most beautiful way possible. Um, that that was that was even a thing um i and i and i re- remember thinking wow if you could apply that to batman if you could apply that to, to the spirit if you could apply that same that same idea that same philosophy towards towards filmmaking to to these other characters you would have the most magnificent film ever and you know <laughs> and i remember thinking that as a child and and and, and trying to draw a batman you know fleischer batman um, yeah, yeah. And when so so when talk of a Superman anim- animated series came out, when 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 the discussion started for a Superman animated series, did you of get course. excited? Of course, that you could kind of do some kind of modern F- Fleischer style because I think that was the original concept, wasn't it? It was kind of a it more was noir it was routine. it was absolutely it was going to be very much that mode. Uh, Bruce did these designs that are absolutely extraordinary, and I, 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 I so wanted to see that version on screen. So did we. Um, <laughs> no kidding, right? Right. <laughs> well, well, I, I love Superman the animated series, but I, I do too. I do too. I'm a big fan of those kind of you know the detective and those old kind of 1940s exactly. noir films exactly. and stuff. And yeah, it would have been yeah, it would have been incredible. It really would have been it would have been incredible. But, but, uh, when the word came down that we weren't going to be able to do that version, um, it 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 became a no brainer as to why. Um, and and then the the other thing that that was the plus of of not having to do that version uh, was or not having the privilege of doing that version um, was that we were able to incorporate more modern aspects of the comic and, and the Jack Kirby influence 
of, of on the Jimmy Olsen yeah. uh, comics. They're like all that fourth world stuff with Dark Side. You know, yeah. those would apply yeah. much better in 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 a more modern style than it would in that '40s style. It would have been weird to sort of retro. <laughs> Uh, and and do like 30s version, you know, sort of 40s versions of of, of the Kirby stuff you know? of those. But uh, you and you've probably answered it numerous times in in different places, Dan. But why? What was the reason that you couldn't go with that kind of 1940s style? Was there a specific um, reason? Yeah. A. a um, there's a there's several reasons actually. Um, one of one of them one of them was that that it it. Uh, they didn't want this show to feel as retro as Batman because they were they realized that Batman was okay. skewing to an older audience than it was to kids, and they felt a lot of it was because the cars were so old fashioned and the deco world felt sort of yeah distant and it wasn't as relatable a world. So they still wanted it fantastic. They still wanted something, you know, that wasn't real, but they they didn't want that. They wanted it to feel current. Um, they had already, you know, this is the nineties, the, the new, you know, 85 version of the, the John Byrne version of Superman had already sort of flourished and was doing fairly well in the comics. They didn't kind of want to go back and, and sort of say, no, this is the old guy from, from the days before this, that kind of feeling. They kind of wanted to feel more current. So that was, that was a big part of what it was. Um, and the other part, and this is the thing that, that made sense is that when you set yourself up to compare the Fleischers, it's one thing to do Batman and to go somewhere else and go, this is a different character, yeah. so it's not a, a direct you know, A to A comparison. But if you do Superman, then there's no way that you're not going to be compared to the original Fleischers. And mm-hmm. you know, in our minds, I mean, Bruce, like I said, you know, if they did 17 of the old ones, I would love to just go, okay, this is the 18th. We're just going to start and just go, boom, this is just going to be like, you know, and that that was ultimately something you're like you're setting yourself up for failure because it's it, there's no way that you can yeah. match that that look. And and did you did you have to look at other at other um, versions of say his animated history besides Fleischer? Then did you kind of did you sit down and look at the Ruby Spears version or the Filmation version from the '60s as well, or did you just kind of sideline sidelined all that? Uh, I grew up with the flight yeah. the with the filmation version. I liked the filmation version. I thought it was wonderful. I know a lot of people that worked on the Ruby Spears version. I worked at Ruby Spears, my first job in animation, so I knew all those people. Uh, but I, I was already yeah. entrenched at Deke when that was being done, and I I wasn't you know I wasn't going to go back, even though it was Superman. Um, I was still kind of working on Ghostbusters, and other stuff at at Deke, so I I couldn't. Uh, I, I couldn't beg for a job back at Ruby Spears to work on it. So, <laughs> but, but it's like they had Gil that's Kane kind of the forgotten. And, and they did all sorts of really cool. Yeah, it is. It is sort of the forgotten. Yeah. Um, it is. Um, and it's, it's, we've kind of myself and Rob have, have started watching them again recently for, for a, a, an upcoming episode, but like you had great people working on, on those, um, on that show as well. Like Marv Wolfman and, 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 and Gil Kane did yeah. character designs and, I mean, the, the, the board guys were really good. Everything was really solid. But what happens is that they were also very set in their ways in terms of how to tell a story. And, and it was very, yeah. very script driven. And it was also very, 
it's funny because what happened was they also had an animation, a, a Japanese animation studio doing it. Toy did the animation. The animation was okay. It was fine, but it was it was it wasn't boarded by people who understood anime that well. So they didn't really get like what the strengths of these animators were. They were just kind of following, you know, mm. the, the the yeah the standard approach to, to to making cartoons and at the time and 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 so you, you weren't you weren't getting the best out of the product you could, even though they invested a lot into it. And, you know, they, they tried really hard, you know, and, it, and it's a charming show. It, it It's fine, but we, we weren't going to look at that. We were, we were like, no, 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 let's, yeah. we gotta, we gotta, this has got to be something that we have to compare to the Batman show and we've got to not, yeah, not do anything recent. Yeah. You mentioned, uh, speaking of both recent and Alan mentioned character designs there, I read something in Wizard Magazine at the time, Dan. You, you might be able to uh, shed some light on whether this is true or not. Is it true that Bruce Tim had to battle with DC Comics to allow uh, Superman to have his traditional haircut and not the super mullet of the 90s in the animated series? <laughs> <laughs> The look says the mullet. <laughs> um, I'm a fan of the mullet, by the way. It has its place. <laughs> okay, good, 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 good. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad. All right, then I can, I can, I can, I can sure. proceed. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, it had been drawn. If you look at at like the the there's a Batman Superman magazine where where um, there were it was they yeah. were drawing a, a Superman from in, in an animated style in the Batman comics. And they gave him the mullet. Um, it, it just was something that we knew wasn't going to play well in our cartoon. It wasn't going to animate very well. Um, and yeah. and and it, it just... It, it, as, as, a, as a vestige of the death <laughs> of Superman, it made sense. I get why he had it. Um, yeah. What happened... It, it, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, he did kind of like, oh, look, this isn't going to work for our cartoon. And 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 when it when it came down to it, it was like the the the, the heads of Warner Brothers were like they didn't want to license an animated character with a mullet. They just said that's not Superman. That, that that's not the way people think of Superman. And so that that's it's fine in the comics. You guys can accept it in the comics, and that's great. Then people are buying it, and that's wonderful. But when it came to like actually you know distributing this thing worldwide, you know that they were like, no, we don't want that on the character. That that's not gonna that's not gonna work, and and so we didn't. There was no fight really. It was like it was that they as, made as the choice. sole defender of the supermodel. I'm I, even I will admit that was a wise choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, my only beef, and and honestly, it's 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 a because you have aspects yeah. of Superman's hair. Mm. You already have a cape that's flowing, and then you're gonna have hair that's flowing when he's flying. Um, it, it's difficult from an animation standpoint, but you could possibly make it work. You could, you know, you could make it work, but but then I I just think how how it gets tucked away when he's Clark, Clark is Clark the Kent. part that yep. that that is always you know you already have a guy who only has glasses as his as his disguise and uh, yeah, I know you know um <laughs> and 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 then and then it's it's like that's going to be a, a, a tougher sell to like hide the mullet to hide the ponytail 
And uh, yeah, I had actually never thought of that. I never that ne- never crossed my mind. That, 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 that was our thing. Is the logic? To... I, I honestly, I think you could. You, we could buy Superman. I could never buy Clark Kent with the ponytail. That was the thing yeah. about it that didn't work on on in, in, in our show. Um, and when when Superman the animated series launched in 1996, at that exact time there was already in existence a live action TV Superman with Lois and Clark, yes. you know the Dean Cain Terry Hatcher show. And was there any kind of talk or worry that there was kind of two shows or that there was a an, you know that there was a live action more, I don't know, was it more adult but more kind of you know aimed towards teenagers or people in their twenties or whatever at the time? Was there any kind of discussion that how Lois and Clark would affect? Because we know that Lois and Clark affected the comics in terms of the fact that they wanted to, to line up the weddings and stuff right right was there any was there any issues with lois and clark when when the animated series came out uh, the only issue that i can see um is that when we were doing the series bruce had looked at the lineup of of the superman show and you look at the lineup of the batman show and it's all very white it just felt it just felt you know so yeah for diversity's sake, just it just made more sense if you mix it up somehow. And like, yeah, what character would make the most sense to to change, uh, you know, the race traditional character? And then they decided, you know, maybe it would be, make sense to have Perry White, a, a character in authority, um, at yeah. the newspaper, uh, be African American. And so that was a, a thing that that we had actually designed. We're, I've we're, seen that yeah. design, and we were going to move forward. I mean, we boarded the whole thing that way um, initially, and and then and then there was a little bit of, of of balking about that because it was like, well, they didn't want to have to change Perry White in the comics, or they or and the character in Lois and Clark wasn't wasn't African American, so they did they just thought maybe the, oh. it, it might be confusing to, to not have you know to not be consistent in that. And the idea of like now, it doesn't matter because you have so many different versions. You could have a yeah. female Perry White, nobody would care. Nobody would bat an yeah. eye because you they 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 gender swap Jimmy, they gender swap everybody. It really doesn't matter. Uh, you could do anything now. But back then it was sort of like, well, we're trying to create a franchise that, you know, is relatively consistent. And even though we know that Lois and Clark is a different Superman, we we kind of want the optics to be similar. So yeah. In, the, in, really in that aspect, I think it may have had an issue and, 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 and an impact on, on our design. The same way that when we were designing Batman stuff, um, the Penguin had to be redesigned because we'd based him originally on the comic book character and the cat and Catwoman had to have blonde hair because of the casting of the movie, you know. And, and that's what we had to be consistent with, with what Tim Burton was doing. And because Tim Burton had been so gracious about uh, being so... Um, supportive of Bruce and Eric as as the showrunners. Um, he loved what they were doing, and because they, you know, the guys in charge of Warner's don't really know animation very well. They didn't really understand what yeah. they were looking at. Yeah. They look at the signs. Is this any good? I don't know. And 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 to their credit, they were like, "Well, he went to CalArts. He's a Disney guy. You know, this Batman director. He knows what he's doing when it comes to cartoons. Is this any good?" And he was like, "Yeah, let them <laughs> leave them alone and let them make their thing." And, and and so that was like, oh, great, cool. But then when it came down to it, it was like, he didn't leave us alone because you know, he was like, oh, but the penguin should be consistent with our penguin and the Catwoman should be consistent right. with our Catwoman, Catwoman to some degree. 
you know, and can, it was awesome. Add, it was great. On that, can, on that, Dan, was there ever any question around, oh, no, hang on a second. The Joker died in my movie. What's he doing in your cartoon? No. Because I've always wondered. No, okay, nothing. Right. Nothing. <laughs> No, it, that's the thing where it's ironically, it's, it's all about optics. It's about, about the, the, the visual of what these characters are and not necessarily, we're not a sequel series. We're not literally a spinoff of it at all. It, it, that was its own, its own thing. I still, I still want to know what a Tim Curry Joker would have been like that because he, that, that sounds, that sounds so interesting to me that, that Tim Curry was originally cast yes. in, in what would become Mark Hamill's role. Yes. And he was very good. I, I will grant he was very good. Um, uh, the laugh was getting a little bit tired. I think, uh, I think that was the okay. thing. It was like, uh, he was smoking a lot and there was, I think there were some issues there. And, okay. uh, and so, so, there was, um, you know, and, and, and that very first episode that, that Mark re-recorded, he was kind of going off of the inflections because that was the first episode that we had recorded Tim for. And, and then Mark had to come in and re-record after the animation came in. So we got to see it with the original voice track. And, um, wow. and, and so, and it was animated to the original voice. So, so Mark, you know, did his own voice, but he had to fit the same rhythm yeah. as the original. So it, it isn't far. If you want to see, you know, that first episode, the last left, it, Mark's Mark's kind of doing somewhat of a of a reflection, if not an impersonation of of the original. As he progressed, you know, and did his own thing, you know, it it it, it became wholly his own. Uh, he stopped yeah. even you know impersonating at all. He was it was he got his own rhythm, but initially those early episodes it's the rhythms are very similar that that makes a lot of sense and 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 batman the animated series gets a lot of of praise for its fantastic voice casting but superman the animated series as well tim daly dana delaney uh clancy brown michael ironside i mean the cast is phenomenal absolutely absolutely uh, uh, that was that was one of those things where uh, again we were we were we were just blessed to have worked with dana on mask of the phantasm and she was yeah. so wonderful. And she, I, I believe she had let slip somewhere in a conversation at, during one of the records that if you ever do a Superman thing, I'd love to do Lois Lane. Um, she'd always wanted to play Lois Lane her entire life. And she would have been and a she wonderful have. live she, action. She, would she still been. would be a wonderful, yep. you know, oh my gosh. She would, she, oh, what a missed opportunity to not have Dana Delaney as Lois Lane uh, in my, live my action. My girlfriend was, was, my girlfriend was rewatching Desperate Housewives last year, mm -hmm. and and uh, I don't know if you know this. Both yes. Terry Hatcher and yes. Dana Delaney occupy the same space yes. in that show, and I was watching her going, "Holy shit, what is this?" I know. <laughs> it was crazy. I know. It's so funny. It's so funny. I, that's so cool. Yeah. Um, Dan, you directed. I just want to talk to you a little bit about the pilot for Superman the Animated Series. Mm -hmm. You directed two thirds of the last son of Krypton, yes. which is an amazing pilot. I yes. mean, what was that like to be tasked with telling what's like probably one of the most rounded Superman origin stories ever depicted on screen? I mean, it's like is there a huge pressure when you're like, let's do what is everybody's ideal Superman movie in a three part cartoon? You know, it's uh, yes, in a in a word, yes. But but here's the thing when you're when you're in the middle of it, and you're dealing with so many talented people, you don't 
think about that. Yeah, at this point, we're sort of like, okay, um, we're kids in a sandbox playing with our with our captain action, you know, and yeah. and you're you, we're just playing with the stuff. This idea that this is going to stay around forever it doesn't really enter into it at that time, um, even though, and I was quoted interviewed about Batman that I knew that it was going to last forever that I knew that this thing would be around because I would I remember being a kid of the 60s watching Johnny Quest and and Space Ghost and 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 I knew how much cartoons like that meant to kids of my generation um I knew that this would be the same thing I honestly didn't know it would be so worldwide it would be so big that it would I mean where are you living <laughs> you're, you're, you're not in the states this is this is no, gone beyond the borders of of you know this is this is this is and 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 that that is a big big deal and and that's one of the reasons also like justice league we kind of also try to like globalize the reach because the justice league of america just sounds you know mm-hmm. it's it sounds too local it sounds mm-hmm. too provincial you know it's it's like you know, no these guys are are for the world so let's just let's just it's not that we're anti-American or anything. It's it's just that they really do have to feel broader than than just, you know, the Justice League of America. That's all. And and can, can I ask about. Yes. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Dan, sorry. Um, so. So, yes, the impact was huge. The, the, it was it was very. But but I, I tried not to get any stress on it over that because you're just trying to do a good job. That's all. It because if you just took that 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 story, that three episode story, you've got, you know, the great scenes on Krypton. Then you've got Clark in Smallville and, you know, the great scene, a real emotional scene where he finds out that he's an alien and he goes running through the cornfield and he takes off and he comes home and he hugs the Kent. Oh, J- Jason Marston did the voice so, for that. It was, he was marvelous. He was a yeah, brilliant just, voice actor. Uh, and then Metropolis as well after that and, you know, the saving of the, of the, of the plane and, you know, it's just it's it's all there. It's all yes. there for for a film version of yes, that. It just is. that story it on is. its own. It's it, yeah. you really did a, an amazing yeah, job. I know. In that episode I, with the, and I, I well, yeah, no, the, the crew did. I mean, we were all invested in it, and it was it was it was marvelous. Um, I, I tell you what I love about it is I really love the fact and uh, I don't know maybe purists don't like it I don't know, um, but I love the fact that Brainiac is from Krypton. I loved that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Rob is holding up a Brainiac ST, uh, yes. uh, animated series figure there. Uh, as as do I, and that was one of those things. That, and this is the funny thing here. Um, you know, we pride ourselves on on creating new things and and, and mm. you know, bringing new aspects to the stuff that people hadn't seen before. But when Alan Burnett came up with that, uh, Bruce actually was like, "This is a great idea, but can we do this?" Yeah. Is this is this something that A D C will allow us to do? And B, is it is it something that we should do? Should we actually make Brainiac be the catalyst for, for the destruction of crypto? And um and the more he thought about it, it's like, no, this, this is too good an idea to to, to to tuck away. We have to do this. And 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 when DC was on board, they, we were like, oh, great. Um there was no obstacles. Let's just do this. Uh, they they were fully on board with it. and and Alan just came up with a brilliant idea and 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 it made so much sense um, because the idea there's something and and I adore the Richard Donner film don't get me wrong I I love that film and it did change the way people perceive Superman so we we 
we owe it. The Superman fans owe that film a huge debt. It, 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 it brought Superman back to the forefront of, of, of popular culture. Again. So I, 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 we owe it everything. Yeah. But, but uh, the one aspect of, of the film that I kind of, I, you know, yes, it's great that, you know, all these wonderful British actors and, 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 and Marlon Brando were, were, were the Kryptonians. Um, there's something that is so cold and distant about the world that, yeah. that, um, and, and they were so absolute with, with Jarrell that he's wrong. And, and they just didn't seem it, 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 there was something that felt, um, it, it, I don't know. It just, it just didn't, it didn't feel warm. You, you didn't feel like that. Mm. And, and you kind of feel like, gosh, you know, Krypton should be, a place that you feel bad is destroyed. You, yeah. you have to feel that this yeah. tragedy, that this yeah. is the genocide on, on you know, it, it's horrifying. And, and you kind of like, you're like, well, they had a comment, you know, these stupid people could have saved themselves, but and they wouldn't listen to Jorel. But if you add this sort of brainiac to the mix and that it's a computer that's doing it, that has no sense of, of, of wanting to maintain this, the, the the physical life he's only interested in ai and and, and the, the 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 intellect of of his world that he's going to trick people into allowing it to blow up um yeah that that then you can kind of buy why this why these people would vote him down and wouldn't believe him it's like well we got this thing that's telling us is you know and it, it makes much more sense it it, it just and 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 it, it it makes that tragedy even 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 bigger. So, so, so Dan, you, you're try, just let me get this straight. You're, you're trying to imply that something on a computer could misinform people to such a, an extent that it leads to planetary destruction. That's just science fiction madness. <laughs> that could never happen in real life. Apparently. <laughs> what I really like. Let's, what I let's really hope. Like about... <laughs> <laughs> what I really like about it, though, is that it's not Brainiac who destroys Krypton. No. It's just it's just Brainiac who doesn't save it. Exactly, exactly. He doesn't allow and, them to save themselves. Yeah, and and uh, and it's 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 so malicious. It's so malicious. so evil and cold. When you look back at Superman the animated series, we're what are we now? Twenty five, twenty six years after its premiere. What what are you most proud of um, when it comes to that particular series? Ooh, <laughs> that's a question. <laughs> you know, oh well, I, I mean, there there's several things. I mean, just the fact that it had such an impact globally on 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 revitalizing the character for so many people. That's that's yeah. that's something that you know it kind of did for next generation what that Christopher Reeve film did for people of, of, of my age in that world, you know, that, that, that didn't grow, but that they kind of like grew past the George Reeves film and didn't their series and didn't think that it could actually be taken seriously. It, it, it did that. But on a personal level, the thing that made me most proud was, was, um, meeting Richard Donner. And oh wow, there was a signing for one of the, the, the DVD releases. And uh, Tom Mankiewicz and Richard Donner were there, as well as as uh, Aaron Smolsky, I think his name is, who played the baby in in the in the film. Uh, you know, the tractor. You know, and the red tail. Yes, yes. 
And uh, so I got a call from a friend who was there and I was working late on the series. And he's like, you got to come in. You got to come in. What, what? Richard Donner's here and blah, blah, blah. You got to come in. I'm just telling you, you just got to. So I show up and I go to this, to this, um, it was called Laser's Edge, I believe at the time or uh, no Dave's laser. And, and they were, they were um, selling the stuff and, and I get introduced to Tom Mankiewicz and Richard Donner's talking to somebody. Tom Mankiewicz is talking. Yeah, no. And I knew, by the way, that Donner had seen our series because his office was still on the lot and he was requesting VHS copies as soon as they'd get done. Before they, as they go out to the network, he would get a copy. He was CC'd on every episode. So he had seen them before they came out. And, and, and so I knew that. Um, but we didn't get any kind of, you know, write up he didn't write us anything he didn't we just we just heard that his office was getting them i didn't know what he thought of the show tom mankowitz tells me oh he's he's, he's a big fan of the series you know oh my god oh my gosh that's amazing and then i meet him and he's like he knew my name and he knew the episodes we directed and and i was i was like i was floored because Hey, I, I love the omen. I, you know, it was like, oh my gosh, when that came out, I, I, I saw it in the theater twice. Um, and, and then the Superman film I saw a million times. I was an usher for Superman too, although he didn't you know, technically direct it, but I was like, still, I was, I was so invested in his world that he, you know, that he had made. And, and it was, um, it was so cool that, that he knew who I was. And that was one of those moments where I just kind of like, Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was, yeah, he made my day. He made my, he made my career. You know, that was the thing. I just, I like, wow. Um, is it, I it, no idea. And then, and then it's like all of the TV credits that he had done shows that I'd love, you know, the twilight zone episode that he had directed and man from uncle and all these things that I grew up with besides the feature films. That he had done that I, loved. I, I was, I, I, I just, absolutely floored and he couldn't be a nicer guy he was just he was so so kind so that 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 when you talk about the proud moments that was like yeah i i guess that that was that was pretty much the pinnacle that's amazing yeah it's 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 amazing like i mean a lot of people from our generation mine and rob's generation i mean we me and rob have both read a lot of the kind of jack kirby new god stuff but a lot of people haven't and their their sole reference for that whole yes. dark side new genesis arc is superman the animated series right um you know when they think of what dark side sounds like it's he sounds like michael ironside and he said you know it's 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 an incredible legacy to leave behind that you know that so many people have, have have familiarized themselves with that world through through the work that he accomplished on Superman the animated series I think. Well, there you go. Proud of that too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, and actually when I was at Ruby Spears, I actually worked with Jack Kirby. He was a character designer on on some of the shows that I'd worked on. So, I I wasn't like on a first name basis. He didn't really know me that well. I was actually more friendly with Doug Wildey who created Johnny Quest. Um and and so, but I did know jack and i had talked to him and and so his work had been i mean those new god comics when i was a kid you know it made a a huge impact mm. because i i you know it's funny because you know my brother was an older collector and and he was there at the beginning of 
of the Marvel Age. He bought the Fantastic Fours and Spider-Mans when they came out. And and he was a huge collector of all that stuff. But he was kind of getting out of comics by the mid-70s. And I was sort of taking over by the collecting. And and those Jimmy Olsen comics were coming out just as I was like becoming the big, you know, fanatic. And I I just love them. I ate them up. Yeah. And 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 so to to be able to adapt those things into into animation uh, was such a wonderful thing to to be able to tribute Jack. Um, and that's the other thing we actually did. You know, Ruth redesigned Dan Turpin. Who in the comics was like a bald guy with yeah, a with a bowler. That's right. And he actually like made him uh we made him Jack Kirby. And uh, and that was uh, you know, a, a tribute to the man who had just passed away as we were developing the series. Yeah. Mm. Um and in fact that Turpin's funeral was sort of based on our experience going through that. So so that was you know, visually very similar in terms of the location the headstone's completely different whatever but in terms of like the time of day the setting and the, the, it just it just that feeling of 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 his funeral am i right in saying there, there's easter eggs in that funeral scene where we see a couple of characters that look very similar to characters from another comics company and then they were taken out later on or am i mistaken there you know that that becomes you know that is the rumor and and that's kind of how you know and i i don't know honestly i don't know if that's the case um because i i did see some ab things like when they were on a dvd and it seemed like some character's hair color had changed i didn't i wasn't aware of that being an edict i don't remember that being that happening what happened though that did really happen was that the way that we had to rush the show out a lot of times both shows, actually, Batman and, you know, when you're in syndication, you have to create so many episodes by a certain date and ship them off. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you don't get the retakes in on time and you're just waiting and waiting. And, and the show is like not quite ready yet. And, and they're just, well, it, it's got to air. So we got to, we, we just, it's, it is what it is. But on subsequent airing, we can cut in those retakes. And, and what happens, though, is that the Warner people and home video think like archivists. And somehow, you know, this idea of the first take is always the thing that is most prized. And they always kind of go for that as opposed to the fake that's the correct one. And, and so a lot of times those shots, so those retake versions are not in the, are not on the DVDs. And, and some of the things with like the the speed and time of the pan was very difficult to get right. It was it was this is before the digital age and the camera work was very expensive. And that last shot of the funeral, if you keep in mind that there is the actual funeral is in the shot, the 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 dissolves going from one shot to another shot to another shot, it encompasses like four minutes or five minutes of animation. All of this technically has to be under the camera because the way the dissolve works, you have to fade it off and put it back in and then and and then start over. And and it's so difficult for a cameraman to, to maneuver all that stuff that a retake in the middle of that is just oh, oh no. 
And that always happened was there was timing on, on the overlays of the characters as you pan past and there was either panning too fast or some kind of hiccup where some bad, you know, paint mistake or something. There was some reason why that shot, you know, was never quite right. And we retook it like three times. It was so difficult to get correct that um, we aired it originally at one time and then they fixed it. And then, and then I think they fixed it one more time for a DVD release. And I think during one of those cases, uh, that that's where the rumor of you know color changing and stuff to change like you know a character that may or may not be Steve Rogers, uh, you know. Yeah. And and I think Reed Richards. I think the entire Fantastic Four were rumored to be at the funeral. So that's what. I right. Heard. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to put the thing because that, that he would be a giveaway. He would oh, be yeah. a giveaway. Uh, <laughs> but uh, and I think. Yeah, I'm not even. I believe there was a fellow with an eye patch, but I don't know if it's on the right eye, <laughs> if it was in the correct eye or not. I, you know, so it, it's one of those things where. I just want to ask you, Dan. It's a question I like to ask um, guests that we have on the podcast, and it's just in your own personal opinion, why do you think Superman is is so special? Why do you think that he's lasted for eighty years and that we're still talking about him today? Is that another hard question? It is. It is. <laughs> and, I, and I don't want to paraphrase any of your other guests because I did hear a little bit of stuff on on a podcast, or, you know, but but it, it there is. Yeah, you know, sure. The, the wish fulfillment of flying and having strength and all of that stuff. But I tell you, um, and this is actually something I said when I was on one of the one of the DVD extras, but it, 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 it still plays. It's still when I was a kid, I helped a kid a kid who fell off his bike, you know, and I, I was about 12, 13 and he was about seven, you know, he fell off his bike. I heard a, a scream and I ran to him and, 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 you know, he was in trouble and I picked him up and I ran him home in my arms. And as I was running with this kid in my arms, I could hear the George Reeves Superman theme music run into my head as I was, and it just, it just felt, I felt like I was flying. And I delivered him home and then I went and got his bike and brought it back to his house. It was just a, you know, a half a block away. And then, you know, so in my mind, I'm feeling like Superman. And then when I, a few weeks later, I'm talking to the kid. And he's like, you know, when you were holding my arms, I was thinking, Super, it was Superman saving. <laughs> and I was like, me too. <laughs> and, and I've, you know, there are other times when you're helping somebody in the, and, and you just, there's something about that sense of 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 being yeah. a service to others that is so uh, empowering. So it feels so good to help other people that that there there's that sort of Superman thing that happens to you that you really can't. I I just it's just ingrained, and I think we all we all have that if we allow ourselves to, you know, to tap into it and do it. And, and some people do it more than others. And some people are out there, you know, in, in, you know, service, you know, helping people all the time and, and volunteering their hours and helping. And they're all Superman, yeah. you know, the first responders and, you know, everyone has a touch of Superman in them when they're doing it. So I, I just, uh, I think, I think he, he, he exemplifies the best of us and, 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 and our capability and what we aspire that's a great answer. Um, tell me, have we seen the last of the DCAU? You're not. You're talking to the wrong person. 
I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, I, it, it's, it keeps coming back on DVDs from time to time. I have a feeling it's never, it's never really going to go away. Um, but, uh, but I don't know because the current Batman that's being made now is not in DCAU. It's, it's not tied in. Um, yeah. There are, you know, there are comics that now reflect the DCAU. Um, so, so in comic book form, you know, perhaps, you know, but, but in terms of like other DVDs or other series, I, I don't know. And honestly, I, I don't work for Warner Brothers, so I can speculate. But if I did, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> so so right now I can give you this answer. Um, but but uh, but if I were working for Warner, I, would, uh, I don't know. I don't know. And so and even though I, I don't know. <laughs> and I'm going to ask you the, the hardest question I'm going to pose for the whole night is uh, Tim Daly or George Newborn? <gasps> Ooh. Oh, oh! I hate. <laughs> um, I love them both. I I love them both, and yeah. and and I I this is like no, because they're just they're they're both so so wonderful. Um, we were we were so blessed to have both of them, and and um, I I will say that um, we almost didn't get Tim because because his agent apparently didn't tell him that we kept calling him for, for the interview for the show. And he was fortunately friends with Dana Delaney, who had already been cast as Lois. And, and they had lunch. And she's like, so why don't you want to do Superman? Like, what? What, what? what do you mean? Why do I don't want to do Superman? Of course I want to do Superman. What are you talking about? And he's like, yeah, they want to do you know, Batman. And they want to make a Superman series. And they, and they keep calling you. And they're like, what? <laughs> so we got a call from from him and I, I don't know if he changed agents agents weren't like they didn't understand the impact of the character or the series and they yeah. they kept thinking that's cartoons you're not gonna, this isn't going to help so they never really you know th- at that time it was still a little stigma even though we were like the hottest show and everybody wanted to be on it because their kids and grandkids it was kind of like the Batman in the 60s everybody wanted to be on our shows because of that and and um and, and and yet you know yeah he got to be <laughs> so and and his bizarro was so poignant it was it was wonderful i i was we 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 only spoke about it recently ourselves we did a deep dive into into bizarro and we covered the superman the animated series version he does a great job it's it, it's such a a great bizarro yeah and I didn't, I, I could, I, I wasn't sure that it was even him. I thought it was a different actor. Like, he's so good. Exactly. Exactly. No, so he was, he was really great. He was really great. And, um, and I know it, it's, I, you know, I, I know he's a nice guy. He's great, you know, but, but there, there was something about George that was also like, he was in the same vocal range and, and his acting is really strong and I, I, he was really great to work with too. So I, I, I like them both. So I'm not going to. Can't answer. It's like which kid do you like best? It's like Sophie's. You, it's like Sophie's choice. Off, exactly. <laughs> if you fell off your bike, they'd both pick you up. Exactly. Exactly. They're just like, whoa, I'm flying. <laughs> Two Superman. You know. 
Yeah, Dan, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. We haven't even gotten into Batman Beyond or Justice League or Justice League Unlimited. Yes. We'll have to, please, God, get you. We'll have to have you back on sometime. Oh, it would be my pleasure. Um, it would be my pleasure. I mean, if love, I'm allowed, we'd love it. <laughs> if if I can. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything you're working on at the moment, um, Dan? Or do you have any upcoming appearances or anything that you'd like to talk uh, about? Let's see. Uh, currently, I'm 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 underemployed. I'm looking right now, so it's it's um, yeah no no at the moment I can't I can't say what I, and if I were probably most of these things I, I can't talk about anyway. Um, but uh, I I uh, but I did do some episodes of uh, Trolls Topia that's on the Hulu channel out here uh, that are going to air uh, I think in a week I think they're going to hit the air and that's uh, and and I that's that's cool. Some of my episodes. That I co-directed are on there, and, and some of the ones I directed. It's very funny. It's a cute show, um, and and I did yeah. a, an interview about Superman in a sci-fi magazine. Uh, that is probably it's off the stands now. I believe I think they said they were going to take it off the stands in February, but it's still if you still can't dig it up. Hold on a second. It's the one that Salma Hayek on the cover, uh, sci-fi magazine, and they have a, an article about me and Superman. So, yeah. It's kind of cool. He, he's in. He's in great. He's in great company. He's in great yeah. company. <laughs> Dan, thank you so much for coming on uh, All Star Superfan. It's been. It's been a pleasure speaking to you. We, like I said earlier on, we'll have to have you on again. You know, we can. We can get into Justice League and Justice League sure. Unlimited and and uh, Batman Beyond and and so many things you've worked on. It's 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 been an absolute pr- uh, pleasure and a privilege having you on here tonight. No, it really was a, a joy. It was really a pleasure. You guys are great. So some of my earliest memories are watching See No Evil like every day on that VHS from 1993. Wow. So. wow. Um, I, I, I have to thank oh, you for that. So and I'll, I'll be sure to tell my mother who probably taped that episode. Oh, God bless <laughs> That's wonderful. I, oh, that's awesome. I, yeah. And it, 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 it must be amazing to, you know, uh, like you, you grew up with all those shows and then to be able to add your name to the to the pantheon yeah. of people who've, who've contributed to those legacies and the tapestry of those characters. It uh, must be. Again, it's, it's, it's really it's, it's a privilege. It's a privilege to get a chance of, of immortality in a way by, by being attached to them. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's, it's incredible. Dan, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Um, that wraps up another episode of All Star Superfan, everybody. Um, you can get in contact with us, as Rob said earlier on, All Star Superfan on Facebook and on Instagram and on All Star Superpod on uh, Twitter. Uh, make sure to leave us a review if you can. We'd really appreciate it. Rob, do you have anything else you'd like to say before we finish up? Uh, send us your strongly worded letters about super mullets uh, to <laughs> allstarsuperpod at gmail.com. And we will be sure to read your hair-related correspondence on the air. And as Alan said, please write and review. Thank you. Thanks so much, everybody. Stay safe. Stay super. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs>